Previously, on part one of the season finale of Adventure They Wrote, Cold Case. My name is Alnathrax. They mean to turn me into an abomination. Doyle just leaned against the side of the tunnel, just sweat pouring down his face. He's, ah, that was a dragon! The chamber below you is even bigger than the one that holds Olnathrax. On one half of the room, it's sort of a larger scale operation of what you found in the basement of the Red Gauntlet Tavern. Chemical labs and, you know, beakers and all kinds of things going and they're measuring things and doing all sorts of like alchemical experiments on that side. And then on the other half of the room is arcane symbolism, candles, I mean, imagine, you know, what you would expect that sort of ritual type thing to look like. And then in the middle is a dragon sized altar with chains around it under the watchful gaze of a giant statue, 50 feet tall, of Kelimvor that has been defaced. Literally, the face of the statue has been cut off. Is that a stone statue? So Ledger sees this going on. And he he turns to Max. He's like, Max, I need you to hit me in the face as hard as you can. Celine is going to start walking to the left, and she's going to look back at everyone and say, ladies first, and cast Shatter. They call it the City of the Dead. And while we still haven't found the Duskman yet, or figured out how our newly befriended dragon is tied to the vampirization of Duke Moratan. I feel like we're getting close. It's apparent that there's a ritual in preparation to turn Olnathrax into a Dracolich, and that is something we cannot allow. So, I guess it's time to hop on your direwolf and start things off with an ear-shattering bang. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to go punch Ledger in the face. <laughs> Max will hit you for one HP. <laughs> okay, you did at least one. Yes, just one. One HP. So you connect with Ledger, like, right in the nose. And so he just, he gets that sort of where he moves his eyes and he sort of twitches his nose. And then you just see fury in his face and uh, point it that way (laughs) he will rage and as he rages he'll just kind of push Max back a little bit not like full force but you know he'll sort of like push off of him and then take a running jump for the ledge to jump into the arcane area how much uh, heat damage do I take as you jump into your rage it's not very much (laughs) that's fine It is going to be three. Three, okay. Do you want us to roll initiative, or should we all just kind of do our surprise round? I want I want the surprise round. I want the chaos. I want the the mayhem. So Max is going to um, give his dire wolf a, a nice big a big pet and uh, and scratch behind the ears and say, "All right, I'm getting up on you, <laughs> and I'm gonna jump jump up on its back." And uh, just in case I need it. Oh, that is a natural 20 on my animal handling. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) I'm like, something is happening in my brain today. And I'm just like, Brad is going to roll super low on this roll. Jason is going to roll a natural 20 right now. And I knew it. And then I'm going to be like, 
All right. Um, friend, buddy, whose name I don't know. Let's go eat some cultists. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. It's who let the dogs out. <laughs> it's gotta be. No. <laughs> I couldn't help that, it. That's no. good. No. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna goad my direwolf into um, down the down the steps um, along the right side toward the arcane area where Ledger has just jumped. And I will fire a crossbow, a hand crossbow bolt at a random cultist in the arcane area who looks like he is very busy. Uh, roll the, the two hit for that. Twelve to hit, six on the dice. Okay. Doran, how are you, what are, what are the directions you're giving your animal army? And um, then what are you doing? All right, so Doran instructs all the animals to, except for the wolf, of course, to just rush the statue. And then as everyone, everyone's moved out and all the animals are moving, he breaks into a run. And I apologize, by the way, if this doesn't sound right, because it's kind of going to be weird, maybe. He breaks into a run, turns into a giant boar, screaming, Hog Wild Squee! And he just charges the statue. Ledger roars in anger when he hears that in the distance. <laughs> As he's running full speed into this room of cultists, the air around him just getting hotter and hotter. And um, Fletch, what do I need to do for that uh, for that landing? Ooh, I always forget fall damage. Well, I would try to use acrobatics. Roll an acrobatics check to mitigate the damage. Are you doing the superhero landing? The Hulk smash into the ground. Puny gods. Do I still have an inspiration that will help me with that? Yes, you have mine. So the acrobatics check is a 10. So you, you'll take half damage. You just take two damage from the fall. And I like to think you do a superhero landing. You've got your maul in one hand. Yeah, he lands in sort of a kneeled position with the maul and then just as quickly as possible is up and is charging into the room. And I imagine swinging pretty indiscriminately. Oh yeah, if I can get into the room, everyone's going to be taking area of effect damage if they're near me, and then also, yes, swinging indiscriminately. Did uh, did we resolve that shatter explosion before he ran in there? Roll the damage for the shatter spell. I did. It's a 19. I love it. You're prepared. A ni- 19 damage for the shatter spell. Okay. So here's what happens. You guys rush this room. Behind you, the Harpers sort of square up at the entrance to the tunnel and brace themselves to to handle stragglers. Celine, you step into this light and immediately all eyes turn to you. Your song starts echoing throughout this cavern while simultaneously an army of wildlife pours in through the main entrance to their sanctum. So suddenly they're faced with not just a musical performance by a bejeweled songstress, but a a tiger, a panther, an ape, a giant elk, a jackal, and a mastiff rushing in alongside a boar and a like swooping owl. And they're all kind of frantically beating at these cultists and chewing on them and the elk is like trying to flip them up and, and away. And on the other side, a giant man aflame lands on the ground 
And as he looks up from his superhero landing and starts storming towards them, cinders glowing at the corners of his eyes, a dire wolf leaps over the edge of the balcony behind him with a goblin on its back firing a crossbow (laughs) into the crowded cultists. It's the psychological warfare that really sets this party apart. From, from other adventurers. Yeah. It really is. As Ledger gets closer to those cultists on that side of the room, their ritual candles begin to melt at his very presence, further kind of worming their way into their brains. Like, now they're wondering, <laughs> are the candles afraid of him? <laughs> I like to think that the bardic inspiration that Celine gives to the group is why this psychological warfare is so impactful. Yeah, Celine, your shatter spell goes off across the front of the the table, across the surface of the table, in a wave, exploding these beakers and test tubes full of strange smoking liquids and hurling the cultists that are working on them back. The ones that aren't affected by the spell itself are showered in these chemicals and to begin screaming in agony as these, whatever they are working on, begin to like eat away at their flesh. So that's round one. (laughs) So the immediate response from the cultists is kind of abject terror mixed with a healthy dose of confusion. Like, it's not just that it's a party of terrifying adventurers, it's wildlife. It's a goblin riding a direwolf. It's a lounge singer exploding a chemistry set into their faces. So it takes them a moment to marshal themselves, and now we'll roll. I'm going to roll initiative for the three different groups of cultists. The alchemy ones the kind of miscellaneous work ones and the ritual ones. And then you guys will roll initiative. And we're going to do like a modified combat with these kinds of decisions because one-on-one, it just doesn't make sense with these guys. So go ahead and roll your initiative and I'll roll initiative for the cultists. The dice give and the dice take away. Max, what did you get? (laughs) A one on the dice, so four total. (laughs) Celine, what did you get? 18. Ledger? Eight. Doran. 20 on the dice, so 22. Woo! Okay, so you used your first round to get up to this statue. Now you're headbutting it as a boar? Yeah. Okay, so go ahead and roll your attack against the statue. 16 versus AC. Yeah, we'll we'll count that. Uh, what? How much da- like headbutt damage do you do? 2d6. So it's seven, and it says if wow. if I move at least 20 feet straight forward, to take an extra 2d6. Oh, yeah, go ahead and roll that other 2d6. So nine more. Yeah, so a network of cracks kind of spread out from the ankles of this Kalimvor statue. And as you look at them, you see, you can see some sort of ethereal ectoplasm, smoky, vapory, wispy, celestial something sort of emanating from those cracks. It's not quite a vapor. It's not quite a liquid. It's just this stuff coming out. Without any magic sense, it's just plainly visible. You can you can see it plainly visible. Oh. Doran, what do you have? What are your animals doing? 
Uh, they were going to run interference in case any cultists tried to get in Dorne's way. He can't really command them anymore because he's now a boar. <laughs> so I guess they're, like you said, they're wreaking havoc among the, the cultists, flipping them and biting them and pulling at the robes if they're smaller. Okay, so um, it's now the turn of those cultists in the, the central area. Um, these are the ones that those animals are really uh, mixing it up with the most. And it's taken them a while. They It took them a, a minute to kind of figure out what was going on because there's this initial reaction of like, aww, and then <laughs> the Mastiff is like chewing on their knee. And it, so it took them a while to, to kind of recover. But now they're fighting back against these animals. They've, you know, pulled out like ritual daggers and stuff and they're trying to defend themselves from the animal army. Um, and the I guess the problem is there it's not going well. Uh, if the animals weren't quite as ferocious as they were, uh, maybe they would stand a better chance. But between the tiger, the panther, and the giant elk, um, I mean, those three alone are doing some serious damage. On top of that, you've got the ape and the uh, <laughs> mastiff and the jackal. And, you know, I'm not the owl, I guess. <laughs> I feel like with everything else going on, the owl is like, Meg's long fingernails on Family Guy. (laughs) He's like like scratching someone's neck while the guy is getting, you know, his he's getting disemboweled by the tiger. So (laughs) maybe the owl's flying away with the entrails as he's getting disemboweled. That's only helping their ritual circles. Taking it for a snack. So of those 12 cultists in the middle, Six of them are already down, either, uh, you know, looking like they're out for good or um, incapacitated to the point where they are ineffective. So uh, next up is Celine. Your turn. How many are left in the lab area? So your shatter spell was particularly effective, not just because it affected the people there, but because it sent glass debris and caustic chemicals kind of spraying in all different directions. So there are still nine cultists up on their feet, but of those nine, four of them are like stumbling around, like clutching at their faces or exposed skin where, you know, glass shards or chemical burns are, are, you know, making their lives not pleasant. Well, I think... Selene is going to cast Thunder Wave on them. <laughs> no, no mercy. Nope. <laughs> no None. mercy for the... I suppose they're trying to kill a god. Like, this is what they this is what they signed up for. Yeah. I didn't have it in myself to go with grace. And so the battleships will sink beneath the waves. Uh, so they got a nine on their constitution save. And the constitution has to beat 15. Um, so how much damage? It's at eight, nine, 10, 11. Your thunder wave, again, from up on your balcony, <laughs> serenading these cultists that are, are being assaulted basically every which way that they can be. Um, the Your thunder wave sort of storms down and again across the table splits it in half and sends debris and stone and 
everything kind of spraying out in every direction and hurling these cultists off their feet uh, if they were still on them. And you knock down like six more cultists. Six more of them that were on their feet are now just totally out, splayed out across this stone floor, unmoving. So there are only three more left. Three more left, looking not super happy. So it's those cultists' turn now, and they they are they are able to kind of recover just enough to see where you are, and they sort of, as one, reach into their robes and they remove these ceremonial daggers and hurl them up at you in a just a whatever attempt that they can make to get you to stop. And all three of them clatter around you against the stones of this. <laughs> cavern not even close like you don't even you don't even move you don't even acknowledge them they just kind of like ping 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 all around you you're like bond she just kind of like waves her hair a little bit (laughs) she's still humming were they throwing them like someone would throw something on stage when they appreciate a performance (laughs) (laughs) next up are the the cultists on the ceremonial side of the room um, and they're able to kind of come together in a, a formation sort of like against Max and Ledger, but it's not, it's not anything effective. It's not like a, they, they just sort of like crowd together as they see you approaching. Um, Max, you've taken one down with your crossbow bolt, so he's out of the count already. Awesome. And Ledger, your hammer, you were able to knock another one down. So you've got two down, and there's this loose formation against you, but they're not able to actually take any action against you. They're just trying to, like, they're trying to protect themselves from what's coming. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. And with that, it's Ledger's turn. So any of them that are really close to me are just going to automatically take a little bit of damage. They'll all take three more if they're within ten feet. And... Um, I get two attacks. I don't know if you want me to actually roll individual attacks, but... Yeah. One attack is a 10, and the other is a 9. So the 10 hits. um, You're able to knock another cultist down before he can really get his weapon up to defend himself. Uh, You just sort of, like, bowl him over with this giant ball. It'll be 9 damage. Max. Yes. Max is still on this dire wolf, and so... There is still a group of cultists over there on the arcane side. Yeah, the ritual side is still... The the ritual side is where most of the resistance has been able to form. Got it. Then Max will ride the dire wolf over. Yeah, I'll use my bonus action to tell the dire wolf to start attacking cultists. Like, get them. And then I will use my rapier, my plus one rapier, against anyone that is uh, currently engaged with Ledger so that I get advantage and uh, some sneak attack. 18 total to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, roll for your dire wolf, too. Uh, bite is plus five. So that is a uh, 14 to hit on the uh, dire wolf bite. He's a 2d6 plus three. So that is uh, 10 total for the dire wolf. 
Just keep in mind, uh, he always has advantage because you're on top of him. Nice. The wolf has advantage on attack rolls of a creature of at least one of his wolf's allies is within five feet. Nice. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, and then, uh, so for Max's, Max's rapier, sneak attack. 23 total on the rapier attack. Jeez. From Max. You're, you're still on the dire wolf and you attacked the guy? No, no, no. So I, as I rode in, I had the direwolf like go to one side, and I jumped over to where Ledger was. So we're we're okay. still like adjacent. We're just yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you, as you roll off the direwolf, you turn your like you you turn your roll into a stab. Nice. And your rapier goes through the cultist that's engaged with Ledger and into the one standing behind him. Uh, even better. Meanwhile, the direwolf has leapt into the group of cultists and thrown them into further disarray and rips the throat out of one as he brings him to the ground and does a, an adorable puppy shake to play with his <laughs> new toy. <laughs> Get him, Lobo. <laughs> uh, and we are back up to Doran. Doran's just going to take another crack at it. He's going to He's going to do a thing where he, run, he runs roundabout to get momentum and charges right back at the base of the statue. That's 13 against DC? Yeah. It's 4d6 damage plus 3. That's 21 damage. Okay, so those cracks spider out even further. Larger stones drop off from above you. You can see where they were attached to Kelimvor's arms. Uh, they've fallen off and tumbled onto the, the uh, stone floor of this room, shattering the slate tiles. Uh, and more of that ethereal substance is its almost pouring out of the statue now, either vaporizing immediately or sort of, it, it almost looks like it just tumbles away into nothingness. But its, it's there's enough of it that it's even brightened the room at this point. Have any of the cultists noticed? They have now. <laughs> Um, so that group of cultists in the middle, they're the first ones to notice the the gunk pouring out of that statue. And they turn and they just start running away as fast as they can. They're not engaging with the animals anymore at all. They're, you know, ignoring them completely as they just try to get away and out of the room. Get them, Harpers. Oh no, what have I done? That only means that something really bad's going to happen. <laughs> Celine, your turn. Okay. Celine, I don't want to use all of my spell slots. I haven't used anything for third level yet. So she's just going to use her Ray of Frost and target the closest remaining cultist in the lab. Okay. 11 plus 7 spell attack. So 18? Yep, that hits. So he will be hit with 4 cold damage. After doing that, I would like to activate my mantle of majesty, which gives me command as a bonus action without expending a a spell slot. And she's going to use her bonus action to command the tiger to attack a cultist nearest the one that she just hit with the Ray of Frost. So to direct it away from the cultists in the middle of the room and towards the laboratory ones? Mm-hmm. She needs a little help. Um, so over on the ritual side of the room, um, these cultists try to make uh, an effort to push back against the dire wolf Max 
and Ledger. Max, 17 against your AC? Uh, yeah, that'll hit. Uh-oh. So, like, three of the cultists are able to sort of reach out from this, you know, front that you're facing, and they slash at you with their daggers um, between the three of them dealing 11 damage. Okay. Good. Ledger, two against your AC? Uh, two will not hit. <laughs> okay. So... Mm-hmm. It's a fair question. I'm not wearing armor. <laughs> you barbarians. Ledger, your turn. Ledger is going to swing his gigantic new maul and try to make some attacks. The first one, he's going to do a reckless attack. So that is going to be an 18 to hit. On the second attack, he is going to miss with a natural one. Yeah. So with that 18... You smash the maul into the wall of cultists and send three of them flying back into the arms of their brothers behind them, creating this pile of cultists that the wolf is just gleefully ripping into. And they're all continuing to get singed if they're near me, so I imagine... Yeah, while continuing to take that fire damage going to drop from that eventually. Yeah, at the very least, you've destroyed all their candles at this point. Try having a ritual now. (laughs) I'm sorry, was that your ritual book? (laughs) Uh, Ledger, 16 against your armor class? Little hit. Okay, the Dust Command deals 14 damage to you. Oh, he's in. Say what? (laughs) Ready to focus our fire. Uh, Max, your turn. Okay, uh, now that we know that the Dusk Man is in play, um, I am going to use Insightful Fighting on him. So that is a... uh, He needs to make a Deception check versus my Insight. 11. Uh, I rolled a 15 on the dice, so 22 total. So Yeah, you got it. Now I have advantage against him no matter what I do. So I am going to... That was my bonus action, so I cannot redirect the wolf. So I'll just let the wolf keep munching on cultists. Um, And I'm going to go with the rapier. uh, And that is a 13 plus 7, so 20, dirty 20 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Get all the... 23 total damage to the Duskman. After, um, After sneak attack. That's with the rapier? Yeah, that's with the the plus one rapier. Cool. So the Duskman staggers back from that assault and locks eyes with you, Max. Hi. And grins. Roll a perception check. Okay. Oh, I'm decent at these. Uh, That is a dirty 20, 13 on the dice, plus seven. So this is the first time you've been able to see his face from under his hood. Sure. You recognize him, but you can't place him. Is it oh, the no. clerk from Weaverson's? Dun, dun, dun. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the clerk from Dweeberson's. It is Dweeberson. Dun, dun, dun. It is Dweeberson. No, yeah. Uh, it's not Dweeberson either, but you can also see elongated canines in his mouth when he smiles at you. Oh. You. And he's going to point. And that, that's, that's Max's turn. I'm not backing down. He, like, checks over his shoulder real quick, and then he looks back at you, and then he points at himself, like, me? <laughs> hey, yeah, man. Did he look like a Doran. count? 
14! 14 <laughs> slashing damage! Ah, ah, ah. Doran, your turn. So Doran's going to hit his final hit on the statue, and as he's doing his round to get the momentum to hit the statue, he sees the Dusk Man, and instead he just beelines to, to gore him instead of the statue. <laughs> Hope, ideally going through cultists, if possible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, roll your roll your attack against the dust man. Uh, 23, 18 on the dice. Yeah, that'll definitely do it. That's 21 damage. Uh, the dust man staggers back from that attack too, and he locks eyes with you, Doran. He cocks his head a little bit like, wait, a boar? What? Uh, he's also supposed to succeed on a DC 13 saving throw or become prone. Yes, please become prone. Dexterity <laughs> or strength? Uh, strength. That? Yeah, he succeeds. And then Doran will do the... <laughs> with his nostrils. <laughs> Paw at the ground. Um, those cultists in the middle of the room have made it to the door where the Harpers are going to town on them. Uh, you can hear uh, Mallory is sort of relieved to finally have something to do while um, Castle Hoss, Calibo, and Ryan are more just like, eh, finally, we Another day, another dollar. Celine, your turn. How many cultists am I still engaged with? You have eliminated all of the cultists in the alchemy portion of the the lab. I think technically with the math, there's one more left. But given what has happened to the others, he's just curled up in a ball right now. He's like <laughs> hugging his knees to his chest and rocking back and forth. How far away am I to get to the Duskman if I am up on the left you're 40 feet away from them. As the owl flies. Okay. Uh, Celine is... And everybody is in that... Like, they're basically up against the Duskman right now. Yeah, they're in... Uh, Max and Ledger and Doran are all engaged with the Duskman right now. Okay, so Celine is going to move... And she is going to cast Ray of Frost on the Duskman. 23. Hit. Yep. Okay, so she casts Ray of Frost on the Duskman and hits him for three. And then as her bonus action, she will cast Command on the Duskman. Okay, so he's going to roll his Wisdom save. He has to save against 15. 18. Mm. It was a good thought. It was a good thought. Keep trying. Wear him down. Yeah, you're not you're not spending spell slots on that, so No, that's <laughs> that's the beauty. Yeah, that's kinda awesome. The last cultist uh, over on that alchemy side uses his turn to sob harder. <laughs> and then it's Ledger's turn. Ledger is going to make a reckless attack against the Duskman. Twenty-four uh, sorry, twenty-three. Yeah, that hits. Uh, seventeen from the mall. He rocks back again. He's not, he's starting to look not great. Uh, Ledger's second attack is going to be a 26 to hit. Yeah, that'll That'll do nine. So just, he's taking that huge hammer and the first time he just runs in and just takes a wild swing and then he kind of has to like recover and catch himself. And then on the snapback hits again. A little off balance, so he did less damage. Max, the Duskman engages with you with his longsword and you can see that there's something different about it. It's 
steel, but it's a darker color steel. And looking at it, uh, as you're trying to track its motion towards you, it almost skitters through the air a little bit. Doesn't look quite normal. So when it cuts into you and deals 16 damage to you... Oh, crap! (laughs) (laughs) My golly! (laughs) Not this again. Feels extra bad. Extra bad damage. All right. I think I'll use my bonus action. Uh, Maybe we can call this uh, like my cunning action. Uh, But I would love to make an investigation to see if I can get in there and recognize who this person might be. So that's uh, 16 total on investigation. You recognize him from the time you've spent in the castle ward, but beyond that, you still just can't quite place him. Okay. Uh, And then, um, for lack of the better option, I'm just going to um, attack him with my rapier again. Uh, That is a 25 to hit. Yes, that hits. get all these sneak attack damage. <clears throat> 24 total damage for the rapier and the sneak attack. And I'm just going to stand my ground. I'm just going to, you know, like put the rapier up to his neck and just be like, who are you? Doran, roll 2d6. 6 and a 5 for 11. So with a thunderous crash, the statue of Kalimvor topples over It sort of topples down and then collapses in on itself almost. And standing in its place in that sort of celestial vapor material is a humanoid shape with a broadsword clutched in its hand. The broadsword also shaped out of this celestial material, whatever it may be. And this shape looks down at itself and looks down at its hands and looks at the room and then sees the group of you all fighting. And that's where its turn ends, just it looking at you. And then it's Doran's turn. Uh, Is there any read on it? Like, does that feel menacing or does it feel like neutral? Uh, Roll a wisdom check. 12. You don't get anything menacing from it. You get the sense that it is confused. So Dorn will be willing to take a opportunity attack because he is going to do his rounding maneuver that he's been using as the boar to run 20 feet away to get momentum and slam right back into the Dustman. So the Duskman would get an opportunity attack against you? Yeah, on the way out. As, as you broke with him? Yeah. 14 against your armor class? Well, that's a hit. Boars don't have the best armor. 14 damage. Oh, uh, does Doran take any fire damage from Ledger? He probably would be within 10 feet if they're both engaged on the same target. Yeah, you would You would take three uh, three the last turn on Ledger's turn. That's uh, 11 to AC. Miss. Well, shucks. I'm in the way, I'm sorry. Squeal! <laughs> Celine, your turn. Uh, so Celine will cast Ray of Frost one more time on the Duskman. And that is a 20 on the dice. Boom. Three. So a seven. And then... Frosty. Very frosty. She's real cold with all of her armor and all that stuff. And then she will... uh, Celine will try to command the celestial being to attack the dustman. Okay. It uh, saves on its wisdom save. Ledger, your turn. 
Ledger's gonna go after the Duskman. So now we take the fire damage? Yeah, so everyone except Celine takes three fire damage. Max is officially bloodied. The first attack roll is a 13. Miss. Uh, Ledger's second attack is an 18. Hit. He manages to dance aside that first hammer blow and then walks right into the follow-up. That's going to be 12 damage. Okay, so the Duskman uh, makes an attack against Ledger. So you have advantage on that attack. Ledger, 12 slashing damage, so 6 after your uh, resistance. Okay. Uh, He seems frustrated that he's unable to do significant damage to you. Ledger does frustrate people. Max, your turn. Uh, Max is going to use his bonus action to request that the dire wolf pin the Duskman down so that he cannot get up and go anywhere. And then I'm going to go in with the rapier. Uh, that is... All oh right, and I have advantage because that, that. So that is a dirty 20, 13 on the dice. Yeah. Oh, my sneak attack. 27 total damage. Yikes. With the rapier. And at this point... I'm not worried about trying to keep him alive because I feel like if we can just cut his head off and take it to Duke Moritan, he'll know who it is. So you you deal all this damage to the Duskman. Uh, the Duskman looks unhappy about the situation. And behind you, that celestial being has, has looked around and sort of taken in its surroundings. And then it cocks a celestial eyebrow at Selene, trying to command it. When it sees that altar in front of it, it recoils in just revulsion. And it lifts up that great big celestial sword and slams it down and cleaves that altar in two, which sends a cloud of dust and debris up into the air and away from the altar. I need everyone to roll perception checks. Excellent. Uh, Let's start with Max. Uh, 11 on the dice, so 18 total. Celine. 17. Ledger. 7. Doran. Doran got 7. Celine and Max, you see the Duskman's reaction to the altar being clove in two. He's outraged. The, the like, rage and hate that you see on his face sends him into a frenzy. Doran, your turn. So when you say he's in a frenzy... He just looks mad, right? He's fine. Okay. Doran's going to <laughs> take that frenzied attack and try to roundabout him once again. So 18 on the die, that's 23? Yeah, that hits. So it's 4d6 plus 3 damage. Right, so it's 14 damage, slashing, and it does count as magical if that matters. I suppose it does. Celine, your turn. What is the celestial being doing now? It seems to be frozen in place as its celestial form kind of evaporates around it, that strange glowing ectoplasmic structure is just kind of dissipating. How are the Harpers reacting to this celestial entity? Um, they're, they're still engaged with the cultists that are trying to flee. Okay. I think they can see them, but they're professionals. So they, they were like, whoa, but this first. Are you implying we're not professionals? <laughs> well, I mean, anyone who's listened to the podcast the last three seasons can draw their own conclusions. But. Oh, wow. Oh, shots fired. Just getting <laughs> roasted. Don't worry, everybody. I have self. <laughs> Those burns. 
how close in range is any of us to the the altar? Thirty feet. Okay. Um, the rest of the the rest of the team would be a little bit closer to it, but not like within ten feet of it, perchance. No. Okay. Selena's gonna cast Shatter on it. Everything you say to me takes me one step closer to the edge. I'm about to break. So you cast Shatter on it. The sound waves hit it kind of in the middle where the celestial sword was still buried in it. And they cast, it cast gravel and more dust up uh, and seems to facilitate the dissipation of that celestial sword. It goes all wavy and wispy. And um, by the time everything has settled, uh, the sword itself is gone and the disappearing is moving up the the blade of the celestial sword. Okay. Well, then I I want to use my command to send the tiger in to also pin the dusk man with the dire wolf and assist, if you will. Uh, Ledger, your turn. So paint a picture of what what's going on with the dusk man. Is he prone at this point with these two animals on him? What's going on? Uh, yeah, at this point, he's pinned down by the, the dire wolf, and there's also a tiger on top of him. Ledger is going to run up then and try to um, try to crush his skull with this hammer. <laughs> Ledger, we need his face. Uh, it's a natural 20. Ledger, we need his face. It's Ledger. He doesn't think that way. Oh, no. <laughs> it's 22 magic bludgeoning. Ledger critically hit it, dealt 22 damage. It was prone on the ground. Um, do you guys remember Gallagher? Oh, gross. You're all in the front row and none of you have tarps. Oh, but what about me? Celine's not in the front row. Either. Okay. <laughs> so Celine. I don't want all what, this beautiful jewels to. What you see from the balcony, you've just shattered the altar. You see Ledger's hammer sort of arc up over everyone, descend down, and then just around all their feet, like a So when Ledger smashes in the skull, he turns around, he faces Max, and he just kind of collapses, and he's sort of like on the ground prone with a hammer in front of him, and he just sort of meekly says, I tried not to hit the face. You hear <laughs> from the balcony... Good shot, Ledger! Because <laughs> Celine doesn't know that Max was mad about it. We need to identify the murderer so that we can get paid. Doran will turn back into Doran and just wipe his face and go, Oh! You can, like, investigate his... Investigate his person to see if there's identifying information. Uh, on one of the hands, you find a signet ring. Then I'll just cut off the finger. Yeah, give me... <laughs> just give me... just. Take the, just take just, the ring. Just give me the ring. <laughs> this sounds like Ledger has turned into Celine. Max is going to assume that uh, um, is there is there anything on the Duskman's body? Right, like if we were to rifle through this, search the search the remains, the 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 crumpled mass of everything that's left. Um, can we find anything? Any paperwork? Any any sort of um, you know, evidence of who this person is and what they were doing so that we can present it to the relevant authorities. 
Yes. So you find a notebook. Um, and in that notebook... So you didn't even need the, the face. You didn't even need the face. <sighs> Getting all worked up over nothing. Um, so you find a notebook. And in the notebook, you, you, you peruse it kind of quickly. Uh, you don't. It's not coded or anything like that. Um, and you're able to, to suss out what the Dusk Man's plan was. Their plan for killing Kalimvor was to turn the dragon into a Dracolich and then use the alchemical formula that they had developed to return the Dracolich to life. And the hope was that that twisted sort of perversion of life and death would cause a sh- I, uh, I, I'm going to say a short circuit, but what I mean is like a celestial sort short circuit. Like it would defy the laws of death and life to the point where um, it would shut Kelimvor down. Uh, and that the statue uh, was a window into the celestial realm. So that's how Kelimvor would have seen this happen. I see. And it would have destroyed him. And the, I mean, this is coming out in exposition because I didn't expect Ledger to Gallagher smash the Duskman's head. There was a different plan, but exposition it is. Because nothing is predictable in Dungeons and Dragons. And Ledger's a little bit, bit sad because the last time he had brain matter spattered all over him, the Countess cleaned it up. He wishes that, uh, you know... Good memories. She was here for that. She would be very proud. Goons to goo, am I right? And he points down at the head. She would be proud, but also very disgusted by the scene. Doran's just wiping stuff off him. Goons to goo. <laughs> What's the, uh, whose signet ring is it? Can any of us recognize the signet ring? So, let's see here. Ledger. Ledger would recognize it <clears throat> because of all of his work ledgering. Um, Ledger, you recognize the, uh, the signet ring as um, being from the Silver Tor House. Uh, the Silver Tor House is one of the oldest noble families in Waterdeep. Um, oh. And you know that historically, uh, several members of the Silver Tor family have been rumored to be masked lords. Oh. While they're all investigating, Celine will walk down to the area to join them. Collect some flesh. Maybe. <laughs> I tried. Everyone got very upset. Hey, vampire brains are pretty rare. Okay, so I mean that's the that's the resolution of uh, the the cult at least. Um, you have to bring the the signet ring to. Um, Duke Moritan, but I've got I've got some other questions before we wrap up. Uh, what do you guys want to do about the dragon? Well, Doran's plan was to redouble his efforts to solve the corruption and feed the dragon uh, carts of meat pies in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Or cultists. So set it up down there and like basically Doran has a new pet. No, he wants to save the dragon and let it go. Dragons are too smart to be pets. They would but be in the besties. meantime, you're gonna you're gonna take care of it and feed it and nurse it back to health. If he can solve the corruption somehow. Okay, so you're gonna use the dragon as like an experiment to continue solving the corruption. That's a really negative way to look at it. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's going to engage in a partnership with the patient to help solve it. its it. uh, affliction. Okay. okay. <laughs> Is it possible for Celine to also try to cure it with her healing word? Well, traditional healing stuff hasn't worked on the corruption so far. But you can work with Doran to try to solve the corruption. Maybe if we get a level, we'll have a better chance. <laughs> I, I am not good in medicine, but I am good in nature, which is what you were using before. So. Um, okay, so if there's uh, nothing else down here, um, Max, you're going to take the signet ring, presumably, to Duke Moritan. Yes, and uh, so kind of close the case out make sure that we've got all of our eyes dotted uh, eyes crossed and T's dotted and um, make sure that everything is good to go um, check in with the Harpers see if they are willing to assist in any um, cleanup uh, to make sure that we are not covering our tracks but making sure that we're leaving whatever uh, whatever we need to so that the proper authorities can can do what they need to if they come down into these tunnels. Yeah. Um, I don't know how quickly we will let them know if Doran and Celine are both attempting to rehabilitate a dragon. I was going to ask them for their help. They're working with this dragon like you find like a stunned bird or something and you're like, I'll put it in a shoebox. <laughs> that's that's what they're doing with this dragon. Um, the 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 Harpers are interested in helping, but not from like a we need to nurse this dangerous dragon back to health. More like, oh hey, there's this extra dimensional corruption that is also happening, so maybe we should have an answer for that as well. So they're also interested in helping out with that before they leave. Uh, Celine Castlehosk gives you a card that's just totally blank uh, and he says uh, in case you need to be in case you need to get in touch with us uh, I have to say I was impressed uh, I hope you are as keen on joining the Harpers as I am to have you can I see it though because I still have seen visibility for it lasts an hour oh yeah then you can see the name of a local um fence that you've dealt with in the past, but you've never had any inkling that she was a harbor. Got it. So she'll look back at him and go, thanks. I appreciate it. Looking forward to our new partnership. Um, so you, you head to the Duke. Uh, you are aware that he has shipping offices um, in the South Ward. Uh and as soon as you arrive, you, you tell the receptionist who you are. And he rushes you into Duke Moritan's office. Uh, he was told to immediately bring you to him. Um, and you enter this <clears throat> palatial office that is sort of at odds with everything outside uh, the South Ward. Um, and you can see that a great deal of history is reflected in the objects in the office. So... I believe that we have solved uh, your your mystery. Um, unfortunately, we were not really able to recover um, the uh, identity 
of the specific person, but we did get this signet ring from the person who was the leader of a cult that was trying to kill Kelimvor and raise a Dracolich. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, his eyes widen when you say that last part. Uh, and then he, he sits back and he chuckles and he says, Maximilian Murphy, you've surprised me. And that hasn't happened for quite some time. Uh, you're, you're welcome. And he, he holds out a hand. He says, may I have the ring? Max will hand it over. So he inspects it and then he sets it down. He shakes his head and he says, Edor Silvertor. He was a friend of mine in school. I, I would have never expected it to be him. Um, my condolences, I, I guess, but um, I'm not quite sure what the, the proper the proper feeling is here. Doran will be like, well, he, we didn't get a confession. There's no, you know, it could have been someone else. He he looks at Doran the, the way someone would look at it like a child. <laughs> <laughs> Who was like, maybe it doesn't hurt. That you cut yourself. <laughs> he, he thinks that he just finds it adorable. He says, yes, perhaps. Perhaps it was someone else. Uh, but I should say that, Max, you and your detectives have earned your reward. Thank you. Um, and he reaches into a desk drawer and he pulls out a slip of paper and he slides it across to you. I will take it and I will look at it. Um, it is a writ of possession for a vault in the Waterdeep Commerce Guild. So there's a merchant's guild in Waterdeep <clears throat> where a lot of people do their banking. Um, banking is also done at temples and that sort of thing, but a lot of it happens in the merchant's guild. Uh, and there, there are uh, vaults that people can acquire, and they're very difficult to they're, they're very difficult to get. They're usually very expensive. So. This is not just for the contents of the vault. You now own the vault itself. Oh, nice. Thank you. Like, sincerely, thank you. This will do a lot, and this will go a long way to helping the detective agency grow. Uh, he hand waves a little bit, uh, but not in like a dismissive way, more in like a, oh, say no more sort of way. Uh, and he says, no, thank you. Uh, this, it's, it, it is good to finally put this to bed. Uh, I believe I'll I'll take some time uh, out of Waterdeep. I've been here for too long. I understand. Thank you. And Max will pocket pocket the writ. Uh, Ledger will look at the Duke and say, "If it, if it brings you a sense of comfort, he met his end in the most horrible way possible." feeling both physical and mental anguish and then kind of you know just tucks the hammer on his shoulder and winks Max is like yeah yeah it was it was real bad (laughs) the Duke gives a very Max like thanks (laughs) 
Mm. Like, he doesn't know what to do with that information. Yeah, it was real bad. So, Jordan will pipe up one last time and say, uh, uh, Duke, you're a, you've been around a long time, and uh, you seem pretty knowledgeable. He'll pull out a little piece of wrapped leather and put it on his desk and open it up to have some shards of the corruption, or some samples of the corruption. Do you know anything about this stuff? He doesn't. He shakes his head. He kind of gets in and, and looks at it and inspects it. He says, I've never seen anything quite like that. Rats. With that, uh, season three draws to a close. The detectives are in the office celebrating the break of winter, um, almost as if destroying a, a cult of death worshippers who want to destroy the god of life and death. Broke the weather over Waterdeep. Uh, after that, it started to warm, not quite as cold. More life and activity returned to the city. But before we end the season entirely, you hear sharp footsteps echo down the hall. Uh, and they approach your door, the door of the Waterdeep Detective Agency, more rapidly than a client normally would. You can see silhouetted in the frosted glass of the door through the golden filigree of the Waterdeep Detective Agency sign, uh, the silhouettes of multiple people standing in the hallway. And there's a sharp rap on the door. I guess Doran will go up and open the door. As you open the door a little bit, a group of city guards push their way in, uh, nearly knocking you over. Oh, hey, friends! The the lead guard looks around the room and he, he takes everyone in and his eyes stop on Max. Uh, and he holds up a parchment and he says, Maximilian Murphy, a.k.a. Sizzix the Goblin, known associate of the Xanathar Guild and now licensed private investigator of the city of Waterdeep, you are under arrest for the murder of a Dorian Silvertree. Your investigator's license is hereby revoked. You are to surrender all weapons and come peacefully. He lowers the warrant, and the guards behind him all place their hands on the hilts of their weapons. Their eyes are locked on all of you around the room, and the lead guard says, or we will burn this office to the ground. And that is how we end Season 3. The detective agency has possession of a Merchant's Guild vault and the contents therein, but our lead detective and former member of the Xanathar's Crime Syndicate has been arrested. What will happen next? Does Celine join up with the Harpers? Will Doran find the cure to the corruption and save Olmothrax in the process? What will Ledger do now that his agreement with Sergeant Croc is complete and his probation is over? Will we ever hear from the Countess again? So many questions, not enough time to answer them all. And as the producer of the show, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning into our show. It's always a pleasure bringing you some noir D&D action because this group is so much fun to play and make a podcast with. And we really appreciate that you keep us in your podcast rotation. There are a lot of shows out there and we're really happy that you choose to listen to ours too. As always, gigantic thank yous to the folks who help make our podcast happen. First up, Tabletop Audio. They always allow us to use their work royalty-free, and that is such a huge help. Tim's work is top-notch. We've been able to use a few of the music-only tracks that are exclusive to his Patreon supporters, and I really love how they fit with this show. So if you need 10-minute soundscapes and ambiance tracks for your gaming needs, you can check them out, tabletopaudio.com. And don't forget to join their Patreon. 
Also, another gigantic thank you to BugbearBubbles.com for paying for the hosting fees for our show. Cat at BugbearBubbles has been a huge help and a huge supporter of the show for a long time, and I absolutely love her soaps. Just in time for the holidays, she has a limited edition peppermint gelatinous cube soap with tinsel-themed dice inside, along with both her Druid and Warlock D20 soap on a rope. So go check them out, BugbearBubbles.com, where every time you wash your hands can be an adventure. Now, we are going to take a huge break now that Season 3 is finished. We've got Season 4 to prep and both the election and the holidays to get through, so we'll be back with new full episodes in the new year. But never fear, we're going to be posting our podcast of the Frost Maiden episode in a few weeks. We have another one shot that we are preparing right now. Uh, we have a bunch of mini episodes planned with Doran's conversation with Augury the Rogue coming next week. Also, if you haven't already, go check out Ginny D's videos. They're fantastic. And her calendar is on sale now at GinnyD.com. That's not sponsored. We just love her work. Finally, one last plug before we go. The first round of voting at the Audioverse Awards is complete, and we're hopeful that we make the finals. That last round of voting is going to begin on Sunday, November 15th, so keep an eye out on our social media pages. We're going to post when we find out if we made it, and once again, ask for your votes. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to Season 3 Cold Case of Adventure They Wrote. I'm Jason, your producer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more mystery.